0: Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlan, And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon. Odd news items you don't normally hear about and conversations with other old dogs who are growing
1: bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair and join us. In this episode, the old dogs speculate
0: on hiring a stranger to sit with us and do nothing. We report on the odd ways people have defaced works of art. We find something all U.S. senators can agree on. We present another edition of Old Doggerel. We give you a lesson on how not to shoplift a crossbow. And we give an in-depth look at the Japanese practice of hiring strangers to do nothing with us. The Old Dog's Conversation is with Kathleen Sinclair, a lady who has written a book about aging with an incredibly provocative title. Stay with us.
1: Paul, are you ready? I am as ready as I can be. Then, it's time to ask you what's on your mind. Um, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. In today's episode, there is a very interesting pod nugget about a cultural thing in Japan. Where if you're in a social situation where you should have somebody with you, an escort, you can hire them. And now this isn't an escort service. Let's make that straight. Oh, okay. But it's hiring somebody who yeah. will just be there and uh, you know, pretty much uh, play whatever role you want them to play.
0: Yeah, well, I imagine something like that would be very useful at uh, times. What do you
1: think? Well, I'll tell you, my mind's going wild. Really? Well, let's say you uh, you just want to talk. You want to spout off mm-hmm. things you can't get away with at home Yeah, where huh? you have to do some listening. Heck, hire somebody and make them like, listen.
0: You mean like what you're doing right now, for yes, example?
1: It, well, except you're interrupting me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 Except uh, you, you could hire this guy, go to a coffee shop and say, you're just going to listen to me right. for an hour, and you can just ramble and say whatever you want. I think that would be a terrific service.
0: Hmm. And you don't think that you would have any friend who would be willing to just sit and listen to you for an hour?
1: No, because if they're a friend, you'd have to listen to them also. You know? It's oh, yeah. It's one of those, those give and oh, take yeah, things, know. you know? yeah, I see what you mean. Absolutely. Paul,
0: Yo. do you really have enough in your brain to talk solid for an hour? Uh,
1: well, you could take, bring along something to read. <laughs> <laughs> read aloud, you know, fill Some in.
0: Excerpts, some passages.
1: Yeah, yes. yeah, a little thing they I used like to, to do in the Senate. Read the a poem
0: here from Oscar Wilde.
1: Right, exactly. And uh, you think of other situations where uh, a substitute would be nice to hire. Uh-huh. Weddings, weddings you don't really want to go to. You know, like those really distant relatives? Yeah. Uh, hire... Two people to go in your place. Yeah, two people. Oh, you well, mean you wouldn't go at all? No, exactly. Oh, it'd, it'd be I see. It would be a couple, and they would. Yeah, And in a lot of cases, these shirt tail relatives or remote friends don't remember you anyway. Would,
0: right, they could just pretend to be you.
1: Right, exactly. Give them a fondue set. <laughs> you know, this is your gift. And uh, just keep a low profile. Go ahead and get drunk if you want. This is just opening up a whole world of possibilities. Really, really.
0: Okay, one more maybe. When I'm on a long trip and I'm alone, I hate having to have a conversation with the person next to me. For one thing, it really hurts my neck to keep turned in that direction. Mm -hmm. So if you hired somebody to sit in the middle seat, you know?
1: And pay their ticket. Pay their (laughs) ticket. Okay, we will get kind of expensive. I don't care. Okay. if
0: If it prevents that person in the other seat from starting a conversation... I'm off the
1: hook. Well, here's another option that's cheaper. Just start drooling. (laughs) (laughs) That'll keep people away. (laughs) From time to time, we hear about a work of art being damaged. This art attack could be deliberate, inept, or an accident, but in all cases, it requires some expensive restoration. This pod nugget is from Time Magazine for February 28th through March 7th, 2022.
0: So here's the deliberate. In his first day of work at a Russian art gallery, a security guard drew eyes on the faceless figures in a valuable avant-garde painting. His excuse was that the painting depressed
1: him. Apparently his doodled eyes cheered him up. And here's the inept. An 81-year-old amateur painter was given the job of restoring a centuries-old fresco in a local church in northeastern Spain in 2014. Unfortunately, she botched the job. Ah, but there is a bright side. The unfortunate fresco went viral and revived the tourist traffic to her town.
0: And here's the accidental. In 2014, the staff at Cairo's Egyptian Museum accidentally dislodged the beard on King Tut's 3,300-year-old funerary mask. They were able to stick it back on with adhesive, avoiding a close shave with disaster. I don't believe you said that. (laughs) I didn't. You wrote it. For more than 50 years, there's been an available stash of candy in the U.S. Senate. It may be one of the few things that Republicans and Democrats can agree on— This pod nugget is from the InterestingFacts.com website.
1: Senator George Murphy started the tradition in 1968. During his fourth year in office, he moved to the 80th desk, which was located in the back row near the chamber's busiest entrance, a perfect spot for surreptitious nibbling. Although no food was permitted in the Senate chamber's Murphy hid an assortment of candy in his drawers, which was readily available to his colleagues.
0: Subsequent occupiers of the 80th desk have maintained the tradition. Senator Mark Kirk of Illinois filled the desk with Chicago-made Tootsie Rolls and Wrigley's Gum. The current tenant, Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, prefers chocolate from Hershey, Pennsylvania, of course. You're likely to find chocolate bars, three musketeers, and Rolos for his hidden treats.
1: Now, to avoid any hints of influence peddling, all the candy is donated. While food is still not permitted in the Senate chambers, an exception is made for the candy in Desk 80. It would be interesting to find out which candy leads to the most cooperation in passing legislation. Hmm... We're all familiar with the expression, growing old gracefully. This phrase is often used to describe how us older folks should act as we age. You know, compliant, silent, and always good Mm natured. It sounds kind of like growing old sedated, (laughs) doesn't it?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know about you, Paul, but I have no desire to live my life hoping for the approval of others. For our next old doggerel phrase, we suggest a substitute phrase, Growing old gratefully, which means finding the many benefits of growing old.
1: Absolutely. I'm grateful for the wisdom and peace that comes with living for 70-plus years.
0: Okay, and sure, our hearing isn't what it used to be, but the world is mercifully quieter.
1: And maybe we have some old age-related infirmities, but you know, Jim, the handicapped parking saves a lot of steps.
0: Hmm, And of course... Our memory is not exactly what it used to be, so we mercifully forget the stupid things we did when we were younger.
1: Or older, for
0: that (laughs) (laughs) matter, Or today. (laughs) You know, people will try to shoplift the craziest things. Large high-end vacuum cleaners, those hefty KitchenAid mixers, even a chainsaw. But the award for the craziest goes to Darren Durant. A Florida shoplifter who dreams big and wears a large pair of pants. This pod nugget is from Sky News for February 24, 2022.
1: Darren was targeting a high-end Raven Rio crossbow, which has a price tag in the thousands of dollars. His preparation included wearing loose clothing, packing a cutting tool for removing the security tag... And a single crutch. Now, the crutch is puzzling since he really didn't need it, and maybe the crutch was a prop for using handicap parking, enabling a fast getaway.
0: Well, at any rate, the closed-circuit TV recorded the whole caper. Darren hobbled into a True Value hardware store February 2nd. He reached the aisle with the crossbows and set aside his crutch. He then grabbed the preferred crossbow and removed the security tag. The next moments are where it gets really surreal.
1: He then proceeds to stuff the crossbow into his pants. Now, this is a pretty hefty piece Hmm. of equipment, and it took some wiggling and maneuvering to get it into his clothing. (laughs) When he finished stuffing, he looked like a man who was hiding something big in his pants and under his jacket.
0: Imagine that. Now, maybe the security is lax at true value, I don't know. Or maybe they just felt sorry for this oddly-shaped man hobbling out the door on a crutch. But amazingly, Darren made it out of the store and the parking lot. However, he didn't get to enjoy his crossbow for long. He was arrested a few days later in the parking lot of a nearby store. Well, apparently he wasn't finished
1: shopping. I hope he brought bigger trousers. Japan has some interesting business practices. For example, you can hire someone to show up and do nothing. This pot nugget is from the Washington Post for March 19, 2022.
0: For years, there has been a cottage industry in Japan and South Korea of renting strangers to impersonate friends, family members, or simply an acquaintance for social situations where a companion is expected.
1: Akare Shirai is a divorcee who is leaving Tokyo for a new job. Before leaving, she wanted to eat at a favorite restaurant she shared with her ex-husband, but she didn't want to go alone and be overwhelmed with thoughts about her divorce. So she rented a companion. Their near-silent lunch lasted about 45 minutes. As she explained it, she felt no awkwardness or pressure to speak. It was the way she wanted it.
0: Her companion for lunch was Shoji Morimoto. He has built a successful business as a rental companion, or as he calls it, a do-nothing guy. His work has run the gamut. He waited at the finish line of a marathon to help the runner celebrate. One woman hired him to accompany her as she filed divorce papers. Another hired him to create a dramatic farewell as her family moved to a different city. But perhaps the oddest job was sitting with a client as he went through a hemorrhoid surgery consultation.
1: Shoji is most often hired to accompany people who are at a turning point in life, or who want to rewrite traumatic memories, or perhaps experience a vulnerable moment with a stranger rather than friends or family. He believes he has a natural talent as a do-nothing guy. He was told in previous jobs that he wasn't doing enough and lacked initiative. So he turned it (laughs) into a business. (laughs) I think the man has definitely found his calling.
0: You know, I wonder if there are any openings. (music) Kathleen Sinclair had a midlife crisis with her divorce. After learning to make a living on her own, she began exploring what it means to grow older. This led her to write a challenging book with an incredibly provocative title.
1: Got a question, Kathleen? Kathleen? we can't seem to find out whether you existed before the age of 60 what what were you
0: doing was it witness protection
2: uh no it's not true i was married twice i have two children both adopted they're grown up now so i don't know i ended up being divorced in my 50s and uh, i remember the uh, financial planner lady said to me well honey you've got to go to work you know you've got to do something because i'd been staying home well, I adopted the kids in my 40s and then I thought, well, geez, you know, I need to be a mom for a while. So I hadn't been working and um, uh, I just had a bachelor's degree and all I could really do when I looked into, I could go into nursing or I could have gone into teaching with a bachelor's working on a master's at the same time. So I just made the decision that the teaching was the easiest. I need to bring in the money. And um, so I taught uh, middle school. Well, if you can believe those those people should all be put on a separate island. But <laughs> anyway, I started teaching. Oh, my God.
1: So uh, what was that turning point for you where you said, damn, I, I want to make an impact?
2: Um, I grew up with a father that wasn't really around very much. He drank a lot. He... Um, He hit us a lot. He really didn't have the resources to be a good parent, but he was a parent. He was in his 50s when I was born. But um, he died when I was 25. And then I went to pick up his things, and um, my mom asked me to go get them. I did. And this lady came down with a brown paper bag, like a grocery bag and there was my dad's things and i thought holy crap this is my dad you know i held up this bag this is my dad this is him and i was so angry with him because i i realized i really never knew him i never asked him questions about his life it was because he was always angry and drinking I, he wasn't approachable but i was sorry i was angry at myself i was angry at him and i just thought right then i thought When I get older, I am not going to be like that. I am going to do things. I'm going to talk to people. I'm not going to be one of these people who I feel he didn't do anything with his life. Then I forgot about it. You know, when you're 25, it's me, 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 and then me. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I was 60, I know this is going to sound really weird, and I'm not a woo-woo person, but I was walking my dogs. I lived in Bend, Oregon. I was walking my dogs along the Deschutes River. It was really early in the morning, like, I don't know, five o'clock dark. And it was like a voice said to me, okay, Kathleen, now what are you going to do? Well, it was obviously me talking to me, but it was like, uh, it was, um, it was just very strange, very, very strange. So I think I'd been percolating it. You know, I'd reached the age of 60 and what was I going to be doing? I was working on this master's, but so what? And then I did, that's when I, when I started my journey, but the truth is what I talk about in my book is that you need a purpose for the second half of your life. And I still didn't have a purpose. So I did things, you know, I got the master's. I went in the Peace Corps when I was 63. I taught in Ukraine and yeah, it breaks my heart. And, um, um, I traveled around the world for a year doing house sitting. I did things. I, I got a certificate in conflict resolution and mediation and worked with the courts in Oregon and juvenile people, and you know, all kinds of really interesting things. But I was doing things. I didn't have a purpose, and so it wasn't until I was in my seventies—I think seventy-two or so—that I actually did a um, a workshop with a series of questions. That, and I talk about this in the book too, where I went through a process where I figured out what it was I was passionate about, and through my passion, I could find my purpose. So that's, that was the trigger point of it. And then the book was one way, my purpose then being to ignite people over 60 to realize um, how wonderful they are and to give back. So the book was one vehicle to do that, and that's why I wrote the book.
0: There, there are many books about aging. I can't think of another one whose title is Fuck Aging. And I wonder, that is a rather specific title. It's a rather strong title. Uh, what did you have in mind when you wanted to approach it that way? Why that approach?
2: If you went into Barnes & Noble or, and you looked across and you saw this red, black, and white book mm-hmm. with the cover, it might draw you over there. Mm-hmm. You might be offended by it, but you might turn it over and read something. You might flip to the... Um, uh, table of contents. I don't know. But what it what, what it mainly I wanted it to do was get people's attention, either positive or negative. It didn't matter. You need to be able to say it, get it out of your system, look at aging head on and go, okay, yes, we are all getting older. We started getting older when we were born. So what? Now, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to bitch and complain? Are we going to celebrate? Are we going to be grateful that we actually got to this age? So you kind of have to just kick aging in the butt and move
1: on. Um, you cautioned people in the introduction. If you're going to read this book, it's going to be some work, so be prepared uh you You seem to be leading people towards deepening their purpose. What I
2: realized is that people are living longer and that we really need to find maybe a different purpose than we had when we were when we were younger. Now our purpose is to do something different, to give back in a way that we can use our skills and our experience and all of our knowledge and to figure out what it is we can do to make the world a better place.
0: The subtitle of your book refers to the second half of life. Uh, what is your concept of the second half of life?
2: Some people really don't stop and think about it. Every day just happens mm-hmm. and it's like, they're in a boat and it's being, you know, moved around by the waves and there, there's no way to steer it. So you have to take control back again of steering the boat. Now at this age, you can say to people, you don't have to ask permission. You know, you can just do it if you want to. You don't have to ask permission from your parents or the school teacher or the people at church or your neighbor. You just do it. And yeah. that's, I talk about that in there is that when you start to share what you're really passionate about, friends and family are not always your best motivators. <laughs> they kind of don't want you to, they don't want you to kind of break out. They like you just the way you are, you know, they, mm-hmm. they don't want any change. And yeah, so you kind of have to go, well, you know, this is it. And that's when you have to, you know, have a rod up your spine and, and be very gentle Uh, with them and say, you know, I love you just the same, and I'm going to do this.
1: You have a passion for what they call in England, caravanning, Uh, hitching up a a trailer to your outback. Uh, Tell us about that part of your life.
2: I wanted some change, and I really realized that I didn't know the United States as well as I wanted to. I went back and forth across the United States four times, twice one way and twice the other way. And I, everywhere I went, I talked to people, but I still love, I love the campgrounds. I love state parks and national parks and places like that.
0: While you were doing this and you say you talked to a lot of people, did you find yeah. any sort of common conversation that was going on?
2: There was a, a really nice respect for an older person traveling alone. They didn't try to do anything for me, but they would tell me, Oh, I'm in, you know, I'm over there by the rest or whatever, if I ever needed help. So they would come to me and talk to me and then we would get into conversation. And it was a very easy thing, but I will say there was a friendship of being outdoors And sharing something that was um, unique. Nobody asked about your job or your politics or the color of your skin or anything like that. So there was a kind of a a grounded friendship and sharing nature that I really appreciated.
1: Well, now that you're staying near home, how would you characterize your day-to-day life these days?
2: I'm at my daughter's house right now uh, helping her with some things. And I do Qigong every day. I do language. I'm learning Japanese. I'm learning Spanish. I do that every day. I do meditation. I do reading. I do casual reading. I love mysteries. I do casual reading. But I also do reading to challenge myself. Because that's the thing where the brain sees patterns. So you're thinking about something and all of a sudden things in the background that your brain knows are linking those things together. And you build new neural pathways and so on. There's a lot of science with that. I'm communicating more with people. And so particularly now that the book came out, I mean, I asked people to read it and review it, and it reignited a lot of uh, communication that I had let lapse. So that's what I do.
0: That's what you're doing now. Uh, Do you like to look ahead? Do you like to think about the next few years and wonder what you're going to be doing then?
2: Yep, I do. I think it's really important. I think everybody needs to do that. And, uh, and then you can set it aside and live in the moment. If you're always thinking about the future, then you're living in anxiety because you don't know what the hell is going to happen. So yes, I think it's really important. So between Christmas and New Year's, I do a three-month, I do a six-month, I do a year. And um, I've done five-year and 10-year. And I don't much go beyond 10-year. I don't know um, I just usually have these big ten-year goals, but I break things down. And then, you know, you know, when you do something every day a little bit over time, that becomes a large thing, and you can make a lot of change that way.
1: Uh, so Thank let's you. let's put a little pitch in here. Your book is "Fuck Aging." It's available on Amazon. Go it's ahead.
2: available and in, um, in, as an ebook. And as a paperback and as a hardcover, and I'm working on the audio now.
1: We will we'll also direct people to your website, which is yes. Kathleen Sinclair S i n c l a i r dot com, right? Yes. At that website, it's a good website, by the way. They have a lot of uh, things that you've written, uh, podcasts that you've recorded, and uh, you know, you really you have such a great spirit. You know, admire, Thank I admire you. that a lot. Okay, we got a contest. You. Let's see who lasts the next 10 years. Okay? Yeah. You betcha. I
2: will.
0: We'll connect. I win.
2: We will no, connect. we'll connect. <laughs> okay, you guys. Thanks so much. Thank i love loved you it. Kathleen. Thank you.
0: Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.